produced with podcasting gear from Tascam, including the Tascam Mini Studio. Trust your audio to Tascam. Sound thinking. Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Another episode of Wookie Radio. It is the Smugglers 3, Derek, Ken, and myself, Mike. And we're being joined deep from the forest moon of Indoor, Mace Tawani himself, Eric Walker. How's everyone doing? Yeah, it's great. Hey, everybody, thanks for having me on the show. I'm coming from the forest moon of Endor. <laughs> you sound really good coming that far over the holonets. <laughs> well, I had Chewbacca help me out with the connection, so. That, that always that is, works. I, so, um, now, Eric, not only is an actor, he's also a musician. I'm going to quickly play, uh, and you'll have to tell us, uh, I'm going to play a small segment of this. You'll have to tell us a little bit about this song and then a little bit more about the music you've been doing uh, since you kind of stopped acting on a full-time basis, uh, what, back in 2006? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I kind of, uh, no, in 2006, I did uh, a little uh, fan film that was made by uh, a Star Wars fan. And uh, but I actually retired from acting, I would say probably about the mid 90s, okay. roughly. Yeah. Well, this song, which is a complete Eric Walker ensemble, uh, is called Dare to Dream. Uh, let me in a galaxy far, 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 far away. away. Thank you. I have my title cut off some. Why are you just sitting there? What's your problem? Are you scared? Everything is magic here. We make it up out of thin air. Nothing's complete. Nothing's concrete. Sweet or sour is what we make. The question is the answer to most everything. The Wookiee, Han, and Luke wouldn't sit back and wait. Come on, it's not too late. Clap your hands, stop your feet, shake your hips, and repeat. Feel the rhythm and the beat. Stroke your hair. Get the air. So that's just a track of many that you can find on Eric's website at ericwalkermusic.com and on his YouTube page, Eric Walker dash topic. So how did you decide to go into um, like this style of, of music, the, the EDM 
type feel. Well, this uh, the EDM thing has come about recently. That's uh, but um, my music is uh, mostly electronic. It's instrumental, uh, like uh, Jean Michel Jarre, Tangerine Dream. I don't know if uh, any of your listeners know them. Or Vangelis, of course. You know, my music is very much in the style of Vangelis. It's, it's instrumental, and I've had a lot of people over the years say, "Well, some of your tracks sound really great. Maybe you should have somebody sing on them." And I have a good friend of mine. His name is Buddy Mix. Uh, he goes by his gnome de plum as ACM. And so we were, he was over here and we were working on a different project. And I had a couple tracks and I said, let's go ahead and try this. And it just, just the inspiration just happened to uh, I have this song and I had a title, Dare to Dream in a Galaxy Far, Far Away. And then Buddy came up with uh, a lot of the lyrics for that. Uh, and then we put the song together and recorded it really fast. And it's, uh, to me, it's what Star Wars is all about. It, it, it basically, Basically, to me, Star Wars is about letting us dare dare to dream, go into our own fantasy world. It's it means Star Wars means something for everybody, but it's about you know following you know daring to dream and following going for that dream and doing whatever it is that thing that's that you that thing that may seem that you can't accomplish, but we all can. And but you'll never know if you don't go for it. So that's what that song's about. And, you know, going back and then going back and looking at what Star Wars has meant to me over since I've been I've been fortunate enough to be a part of Star Wars. And I was in the the original, the first Star Wars story. I mean, I know they have Rogue One and they have Solo out now, but the Ewok movie and the sequel, Ewoks the Battle for Endor, they were the very first Star Wars stories, really. And um, so you know, I'm fortunate to be a part of that. But it, it was about even when I made those movies, I felt like I was dreaming. You know, I was like a kid in a candy store. You know, it was a, it was a very magical time in my life. And that was, that's kind of what the song is about. And also my music in general is about you know when you listen to it if you go to listen to my instrumental tracks it really takes it they're very asthma they're very um um asthma i can't say the word i'm saying ass that's pretty funny <laughs> <laughs> but they're very uh they're very uh, they take they ferry you away to another land to they help you daydream and get out of this world and uh if i accomplish that with uh, just a, a few people that's great if i help somebody out who had a bad day and they need to just chill out and relax a little that's great but this particular track uh, back going back to dare to dream it's a dance track it was really you know written for the star wars fans and we're getting ready to make a music video for the track and uh some of the ideas we were talking about today was we're gonna have a stormtroopers dancing and you know kids dancing we actually have a choreographer that's going to create this whole dance that kids could do and and uh, as uh, we're gonna have cosplayers in the music video as well you know in the song we talk about you know it's fitting that I'm on your guys' show today, but we talk about the Wookiee in the song, so, yeah. <laughs> which is good. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So hopefully we'll have uh, Michael. Our goal is to have the video come out uh, a little bit before celebration so that we could all celebrate and dance and really, you know, dare to dream. That sounds great. Now, I will say uh, when checking out your site, getting ready for tonight, um, the one song that I have now added to my playlist when I really need to kick back, relax, get that stress out or just lose myself to somewhere else right. is Return to Indoor. Thank you. I just absolutely fell in love with that song. Uh, I don't Thank know. Thank you. I don't Thank know you. what it was about it, but it's something in that song just touched me and said, oh, 
okay, if Pink Floyd doesn't do it for me, this song will. <laughs> and, and, yeah. And I guess it, to me, it kind of has some of the vibe of um, the mood that I that I get from Pink Floyd's, uh, which album was that? Uh, moment, momentary momentary Lapse of, of Reason. That's a reason, yeah. Yeah, so. yeah um, that track, I've had a lot of people compare that track to the Queen track, Radio Gaga. Okay. There's, there's sections of it that kind of has a little bit right. of that feel. Right. Uh, but the whole song doesn't, of course, you know. Um, I wasn't inspired by them in any way. That that song was uh, came to me in a dream, actually. And I was having this dream about my character, Mace Tawani. And uh, basically, it takes place during an Ewok ceremony that they have, which was actually a scene in the movie that was cut out. It's a deleted scene from Caravan of Courage, where Ogre, uh, Logre, not Ogre, Logre, is summoning the you know Ewok warriors and spirits from you know to come back and, and they're having like a celebration about their lives and uh, Mace that Mace comes back as well you know because he's now no longer with us although we don't know we never really see him die so who knows but um, yeah that's uh, that's how that song came about and uh, it's uh, and I you know I dedicated it to you know George Lucas and Lucasfilm you know for that great experience I had with them what a great organization they are so yeah yeah actually uh to get ready for this today because um i found out we were going to have you on here earlier today but um i actually watched caravan of courage again today on dvd but i found your youtube channel that actually had most of the videos from tangier dream on it and all of the songs i listened to most of those and most of them have that feel you were talking about mike where you just sit back and relax and the music videos that go with them were just beautiful um beautiful music videos yeah thank you yeah i took a lot of time i i um, because of George, um, I, we made a, a, a making of the Ewok movies, uh, Warwick Davis and I. So we were walking around with cameras. You know, we probably bothered a lot of the people. <laughs> we're teenagers, you know, walking around with cameras and putting them in people's faces and stuff. But um, that's something nobody's seen either. I have like over two hours of footage of uh, the making of footage, uh, which yeah. I'm about ready to dig- – it's been digitized. I'm about ready to give it to Lucasfilm for their archives. But um, yeah, thank you. The the I I added what the whole point is is because of George and learning a little bit about filmmaking, uh, I became an editor. So I did edit all those music videos. And so with in Avid, if anybody's familiar with that, any of your listeners, yep, Avid. Yep. So it's funny. uh, We I interviewed uh, with one of my former co-hosts over on WeBeGe Well, on the site. Sorry. We just recently changed our show nights of when we record. Right. (laughs) So on WeBeGeeks, we interviewed um, Jake Lloyd and he said same thing. It was because of being on Phantom Menace and checking out all the behind the scenes stuff that he eventually became an editor as well. I didn't know that. Went more towards the editing side of things. So okay. it's well, that definitely that definitely was that. And it, but the music was something that, you know, as an actor in the 80s, you know, you want to try to be a triple threat. So I was taking voice lessons and I was taking music lessons. And I went to the L.A. County High School for the Performing Arts out here, which just opened like the fame school in New York. Right. It just opened. And I was in one of the first graduating class, actually, the first class that went all the way through the high school system. And um, I would go down to the piano rooms and, you know, we'd have like an extended lunch because we did our arts in the afternoon. 
and it was on the Cal State LA campus, so we were like in college, even though we're in high school. And I would go and practice in the piano rooms for two hours every day, and that's where I started uh, getting in my love for music, and eventually I got a keyboard, so... I've been doing this for, you know, a minute, you know, that, that was like, uh, I graduated in 88. So it's been a while, actually 30 years ago this year, I graduated high school. And so that's how long I've been doing music. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like you and I have almost the same time. Uh, I'm an audio engineer currently at Walt Disney world. Um, wow. but, but I okay. started off in 86 on professional off Broadway production in upstate New York. Uh-huh. Um, and have been on the technician side ever since so i'm hitting like well, 33 awesome. 30, like 33 years and i graduated high school in 89 so yeah people don't realize how important engineers are i do um when i do if you listen to you probably if you're listening to my music everything i do i has to go through a, a producer and a sound engineer right i make sure it's mixed properly and i don't even want to touch it i listen to it and i prove things and say well let's bring this up here or that there but I let an engineer do it because you have to have another set of ears listening to it. And you want I want it to be sound very, very as professional, as crisp, as clean, as clear as it can be. And that person for me, who's been a great producer and a sound engineer, his name is Stephen Presley. So he's very good. And he, he produces my tracks. And the last album we did, Brand New Day, um, which uh, came out, I think it was 2016. I was actually up for a Grammy for Best New Age Album. So oh, congrats. I didn't win. But it was uh, it was up for consideration. So a nomination for a Grammy is just as good as winning. <laughs> well, it's I'd like to be to, proud of. I, it is. I was very proud of it, and uh, we're we're working on the next album. It's going to be very different than anything I've done. Um, I'm actually releasing a sci-fi novel, and it's going to be released with the music. So the music, as you're reading the sci-fi novel, you could play tracks from from that universe. So it's going to create uh-huh. a different experience. I don't know anybody that's ever done anything like that. So no, I, I think the closest I've ever seen was uh, John John Jackson Miller did okay. um, the Night Errant Star Wars Night Errant novel and comic books okay. at the same time. Wow. Okay. So if you wanted to, if you, if you're reading a chapter and wanted to see what he envisioned it to look like and see how it compared to your own, you went and got the comic and flipped to that same section. No, that's, that's, a, so. it's different, but it's kind of like the same sort of, sort of on the same page. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for listening to, to Tangier Dream. That was my first album. And, uh, I had, had a lot of songs that are in it that if, for the people out there that like, you know, rock music, I'm heavy. I do. I always do one or two rock songs every album. So now let's kind of go back, I guess, quite a ways. How did you first get into uh, acting or how did you have the acting bug uh, take a hold and, and bite yourself? Well, I, I, I was raised in, in Los, a suburb, uh, Sherman Oaks. It's a suburb of Los Angeles, which is right over the hill from Hollywood, California. So I was raised here in California. I played uh, Pop Warner football, which is tackle football. And uh, I was on the farm team. I think I was six or seven or something like that. And Jack in a Box. I don't know if they have them out there in Florida, but they have them, they, I guess, everywhere. They had them when I lived in Louisiana. So I'm very Louisiana. familiar with Jack okay. in a Box. So Jack in a Box, they were doing a, a commercial and they wanted to get a football team and a, a soccer team to show up at the Jack in a Box and eat food or whatever. 
So they came out and they looked at us and they chose all of us from the farm team to be the football team. But then they didn't want to cast uh, go and look for a soccer team. So we actually played soccer, uh, the soccer team as well. But I did. I was, uh, was so it was around 1976, 1977. And so as you can imagine, you know, every kid likes fast food. <laughs> so I got free fast food and then I got a check for like three hundred dollars for the day. And that's that's a pretty good paycheck for 1976-1977 and I got free food and said wow this is a great perfect this is a great thing I want to do this you know and my dad wasn't quite sure that you know I was just a kid saying that so he didn't say yes right away so I pestered him for years and years and years and finally after still saying I wanted to do it for two or three years um, my sister Teresa uh, went to uh, she was in I think she was in junior high or high, getting ready to go in high school at that time. She's older, had a friend uh, in the movie industry. So I think she might have been one of the Pippi Longstockings characters. And so she gave my sister a couple agents phone numbers and she called. And then the first one I went to uh, liked me. It was Beverly Hecta Agency out here in L.A. if anybody knows about them. And um she liked me and signed me. She sent me out on a few auditions and they said that I was okay, but I wasn't very good. So then she got me acting classes and it just was one step after the other. And then finally, after studying for a couple of years, I got my first job, which was a play, a stage play with, uh, was directed by the lady who was, uh, did the margarine commercials, mother nature, don't fool with mother nature. So she directed the, the stage play and it had, Quite a few well-known actors at that time in it, but uh, it was a comedy, and uh, I did that, and then I got my first job. I just started getting little bit parts, and then finally, after doing this for about three years, I got a call from my agent saying that, that I they had an audition for me for uh, a one-hour after-school special for CBS at the time. Uh, it's just a general interview. They want to go and see if you look like you're right for the part, and... So you're not going to have to read or do anything, do any reading or anything like that. Just meet with the director and producer. So I went there and uh, the director was there, John Cordy and a producer, Tom Smith. And they seemed to like me and they said, you know, uh, we really like your look. I know they said this is just a reading, uh, no, not a reading in the interview. Can you do a reading for us? You know, go outside and look at the script for 15, 20 minutes and do a cold reading. We'd like to get you on camera so that the executive producer who isn't here they didn't tell me at the time it was george lucas <laughs> so i didn't know that but, but that way we get you on camera so that the executive producer could see what you look like and uh, i said i will do it on one condition as long as i could do my monologue that i prepared and at that time i was this serious little kid who really took acting probably too serious but you know I, I would study monologues and stuff like that to have something prepared in case I needed it and he said oh, okay they, I think he laughed and thought it was cute a kid would do a monologue so um ended up doing the read doing the reading did the monologue and they said thank you and I didn't think much of it we'll be in touch it turns out uh I learned much later that the producer forgot to hit record when I was doing the reading, but he hit record when I was doing my monologue. So that's what George Lucas saw. So if any of your listeners out there know about my YouTube channel, I actually put uh, about a 10-minute version of the making of behind-the-scenes footage, and I have my original audition.
conversation that that they videotaped from 1984. So you could see that monologue that got me the part. Yeah, uh, that, was, that was another one of the videos that I watched getting ready for this. And I, that was actually, you already answered one of my questions. And I was going to ask if that monologue you were saying was one you had, had memorized or if it was one they actually had you reading so that you weren't reading the actual script. Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, but uh, they had me reading the script and... Um, and it said Ewoks in it, and I knew what it was. I knew that it had to be something to do with Star Wars at that point, yeah, because I knew what an Ewok was. Because I was a big, not a huge Star Wars fan, but just like everybody else, I mean, I probably saw Return of the Jedi, you know, fifteen times <laughs> in the summer of the year before when it came out. So I knew what it was, and I always got a kick out of going to Star Wars movies because uh, it was a really strange experience. Because when the Star Wars comes on screen. The entire auditorium erupts in applause and cheering. I go, wow, what is everybody cheering for? Yeah. So at that time, I hadn't seen, because I was still fairly young, I hadn't seen uh, A New Hope or Empire in a movie theater because they didn't have it on VHS. You know, the VHS was just starting to happen at that time, so they weren't released. So mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to see it when they had its theatrical run. So, I, But I knew, like I said, I thought it was a great experience watching, wow, the Star Wars movies. The, the fans, are they love it. So now we we talked briefly about the behind the scenes stuff. Uh, uh-huh. You were you were working on a book with Warwick. Um, what's the status of that book? Uh, I was doing. Uh, I think maybe it's a little bit. Uh, maybe somebody wrote something different. I am working on a book, but not with Warwick Davis. But I'm working on a book about uh, the behind the scenes about my adventure. It's called Growing Up in a Galaxy Far Far Away. It was originally called. Uh, when I did a Kickstarter campaign, it was called uh, Growing Up on Skywalker Ranch. But Lucasfilm uh, asked me to change the name, so I said fine. So it's, uh, But I'm still uh, working. I have the book. I have the second draft finished. I actually did a limited printing, which I sent out to all the Kickstarter uh, people that helped me raise the funds so I could take time off work and write it. Um, and I still have maybe 50 of those books left from the original printing. But I I thought about releasing it, you know, like on Amazon or something like that, because you could do that. But I would much rather have a, a publisher release it so it has more backing. So I'm in the middle of working, trying to work out the details with that. So I my hope is to have this book out probably by the end of this year. So it's going to be called Growing Up in, in a Galaxy Far, Far Away. And it just basically it does a it, it show it has me writing. Uh, actually, I get very detailed. I, I literally talk about every shooting day, what we filmed that day, you know, my experience filming it. You know, if George Lucas showed up that day, I'm going to talk about that. You know, whatever happened, you know, oh, wow. literally day by day accounting of it. So did you oh, ever, read that? Yeah. Did, did you ever experience the famous phrase from George Lucas, faster, more intense? <laughs> I, I experienced uh, that phrase and more. <laughs> a lot of a, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize this. And it's uh, recently been kind of getting out there. And, and even I think the Lucasfilm censors don't. They don't mind as much anymore because it's it's been published in a few publications. They've let it go by. But George Lucas actually on Caravan of Courage, uh, that the original director, John Cordy, had some sort of a conflict with the reshoot schedule. And so he couldn't do it. And so when we did the reshoots in August, I was directed by George Lucas for one week. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. 
In fact, I saved the call sheet, and the very first day of the reshoot, it says Director George Lucas on it. The second day, it went back to John Cordy. <laughs> but I think the assistant director made a mistake and probably got in trouble for it. But I have that call sheet, too, that says he was directing it. Oh, wow. That's very cool. But, I mean, if everybody wants to know what George Lucas is like to work as as, as a director, he's, he's, he's everything uh, a lot of people say when you hear about him. He is a genius. He's more tec- technically oriented. So he's, you know, he's really fast. He sets us, uh, sets up his shots really quick and um, he makes changes on the fly. Like uh, I remember one morning and one of the scenes he was, uh, they were had to reshoot, reshoot part of it for some reason. I don't know why, but he suddenly uh, a scene that had only like three or four lines in it. He suddenly gave me a page. It was three or four pages long in his handwriting. <laughs> I wish I would have kept it because now with George Lucas's handwriting and changed in the lines and stuff, that would have been worth a lot of money. But as a kid, you don't think about stuff like that. Yeah. So right, yeah. now, how exactly? Um, swarm to me okay. things to me different things at one time to me hats. Yeah. Um, now, what was it like? Uh, tell us a little bit about your relationship that you you ended up starting on this film between you and and Warwick. Oh yeah, Warwick Davis and I were this we're the same age. Our birthdays are literally three days apart. My oh. birthday is uh, January thirty first, uh, which is coming up. In uh, Warwick Davis's birthday is February third. So we're literally and we're born the same year. We're the same age. So if you can imagine, we both were teenagers. Uh, we got along really well. Um, we used to like to play jokes on people. Uh, Warwick Davis was uh, just as funny as, you know, you, if you watch him now, I don't know if any of your, I'm sure some of your listeners have seen, you know, he had that show with Ricky Gervais, yeah. that comedy. Yep, yep, that yep. didn't surprise me. That, that that wasn't surprised because I remember Warwick being that way. I mean, he would we'd be sitting there uh, at lunch and he would, you know, uh, grab a, uh, a root beer and uh, start telling a joke about how great Shasta root beer is. And he would grab some straw from the from underneath the table and be throwing it all over the place. It's it's full of roots See here. You know, I mean, it's him doing it's much funnier than me, but. He was always he always had a quick wit. He you know his his timing was always, and he's a great guy. You know, you, you know he's a good guy. So um, he's always very good to people. You know, Matt. He takes everybody. You know, if he was walking down the street and saw somebody needed help or something, he's the kind of guy that would you know give Lynn's assistance. You know, he wouldn't, wouldn't walk past somebody who who needed something. You know, he's that kind of guy. So yeah, he really seems like it. Yeah, I know. The couple times I've seen him backstage at Disney during Star Wars weekends, it was always you know fun time being around him. It is. He's very funny, and uh, I mean, we have we've we've kind of stayed in touch over the years and that would have been one of your next questions uh not as much as i would like but the but he's busy you know so i mean the last time i spoke with him i was in london and he took the time to call me and apologize that he couldn't get together with me and he said have a great time and you know i was there at a star wars convention some jedi uh convention 
And uh, and at one other convention, he wanted to see me again, so he made sure he was at that convention so we can meet up. So, um, yeah, so he's uh, he's and he's we just had a lot in common. He wanted to do filmmaking as well. You know, he had that bug, uh, and that might have been spurred. I don't know if it was spurred by George as well for him, but uh, he used to make student films and with music and stuff like that, and he would show me what he was making, and then. I would, uh, you know, we filmed a couple little things too. I don't know if he still has them, but we did did a couple uh, little quick things while we were there. So um, I did see that the back on Caravan of Courage, it was only like a nine week shoot total. Now that's pretty quick for a um, film and for a two hour movie, even being a TV movie. Did it feel that fast when you guys were filming or did it feel rushed at all? It did feel uh, it did feel a little rushed. Um, it did by it did go by pretty fast. It, I wish they would have took a little bit more time, but because it was for television and they had to have enough time to do the special effects because ILM was still doing the special effects and they had to have enough time. So they had to get a get it shot. And back mm-hmm. then they were still doing stop motion, for example. They weren't doing all this CGI stuff. Mm-hmm. So some of the last stop motion that they did was on Caravan of Courage in the second Ewok movie. But it, it, it did feel a little rushed. Um, and, you know, it's still, you know, it's uh, it's uh, and they had to cut out a lot of stuff, too, because like we were talking about the special effects, there were a few scenes that they had to change. And 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 George actually reshot the, the scene where uh, I we have to go get Sindel more medicine um, was originally a scene that was shot uh, at Skywalker Ranch over by the big rock and it was a scene where we were in this uh, 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 flower these flowers uh, and they were like they were called the gulping flowers and they were like these flowers that became alive and they bit my hand and started dragging me inside you know inside the and you could see part of Endor and I guess it was too much effects involved in the scene and they didn't have enough time to do it so they reshot it and then they had me stick my hand in a tree which they used uh, I believe that that the person the the prop master told me that that prop was in Empire Strikes Back it was uh, when yeah when they were in uh, I think they were in an asteroid field but they were inside that creature that came out so that is that's they just reused it and redressed it it was it's the same you know puppet so (laughs) that's awesome between the two films outside of Warwick who are some of the other actors that you enjoyed uh, being around or working with I mean, outside of uh, the Ewok movie as well, or? or within the two movies? Oh, within the two movies. Um, well, I I I enjoyed being around all the little people. They were just wonderful, wonderful, funny. You know, for 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 somebody that has, and I don't. They don't like to be called you know names like midgets or dwarfs or whatever. They just like they say they're people, so they like to be called little people. Um, but there's some of like I really enjoy Debbie Lee Karen a lot and Tony Cox those were they had a lot of fun with them and Tony Cox and also Kevin Thompson uh, used to be on a, a basketball team called the Hollywood Shorties, I think. And so we would go and play basketball and they would always beat the crap out of us. You know, they were so much better than that we were, <laughs> even though they're little people. They, I mean, they just would always make Tony Cox would make every shot he did. So, <laughs> wow. um, 
And, and during the second uh, Ewok movie, uh, the Battle for Endor, they were they had those marauders, which were tall. They were like giants. So what they used was they ended up using most of uh, a ba- they had a basketball team in Sacramento called the Sacramento Kings. So a lot of those players played the Marauders because they were six foot nine, and and they, we had a game. We actually had a basketball game during the second Ewok movie, and the little people still beat the professional people. <laughs> so that was a pretty cool game, wow. actually. Uh, who else did I like working with? Um, well, I mean, I really enjoyed working with John Cordy. Uh, he's a really great director. He's what we call an actor's director. And what that means when you're an actor's director, it just means you know a little bit about acting. So you're able to help an actor get to an emotion or when they're in a scene, you're, uh, you're help, you can help guide them better when you're doing a scene. And that's very valuable to an actor, um, more so than a technical director. Both are good for different reasons. Um, but I really enjoyed my my relationship with John Cordy. He's a very special man. He's a very good director. Uh, he's won some Academy Awards, actually. If you guys do some research on John Cordy, you know he's won a he's won a, an he's won several Emmys and several Academy Awards. If you check out his work, so and uh, I, I have to do that. I yeah, I can't uh, not mention Aubrey. She was like a little sister. To me and her family was very very gracious to me you know they 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 you know I spent even after we did those two movies I went and spent time with her uh, she they lived up in uh, Northern California about two uh, two and a half hours north of uh, San Francisco and I spent a lot of time with uh, Aubrey and uh, you know her fa- father David and her mother uh, Rhonda and uh, she had an older sister named Megan and uh, had a great, you know, she was like, it was nice to have a little sister because in my family, I was the youngest. So I was the baby. So uh, it was nice to be an older brother. And it was a great experience uh, with that. And um, so that was, that was, uh, so, I mean, I just had a, it's just, it's just a magical time altogether. And what a lot of people don't realize too, is when we did the first Ewok movie, Aubrey got sick at the beginning of that movie. So she was out like the first seven to 10 days that we were filming wow. and they were have, they almost had to recast her. Uh, so what they were doing is she had a photo double named Bianca Rose and I got cl- close with her too. So they were actually filming just in case Aubrey was, was, didn't get any better. They were still filming. So they filmed like 10 days of the movie with a, a different Sindel in the movie just in case she didn't, she, you know, she stayed sick. So they didn't have to lose time, but she got better and it was great. So that's good to hear. Mm-hmm. You, know, you always like with something like that, you always like to hear that, that everybody got along real well and, and had fun together. And even more on that, Derek, um, it was it was even the crew was like a family because most of the crew were the same people that worked on Jedi. You know, George Mm. Lucas uses the same people. So, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the crew members were the same people that were that did Jedi and Empire and Star Wars and. You know, so it was the same people. And, you know, Joe Johnston was there and he was doing he did all the uh, um, I'm drawing a blank right now, but he was doing all the illustrations and stuff, uh, you know, for the scenes before we shot them. Um, so the storyboards. Yeah, that's what it's called. So and, and uh, it was just it was, a, it was just a, and it was just the ILM at that time was uh, was over and in, in San Rafael 
off a street called Kerner Avenue, and Lucasfilm was there as well. They had just started building the ranch, Skywalker Ranch, so they didn't have any of those buildings done at that time. So they were just starting to build that, and they only had the main house done. But it was just, uh, yeah, it was like a family, which was uh, which was wonderful. It was a great, 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 uh, great experience. Now, with Disney having bought Lucasfilm back in 2012, 2013, uh, and then the announcement of what was going to be canon, what wasn't, um, was there, did you ever talk to them about trying to make these two movies canon in order to keep your character canon? I have not spoken to anybody at Disney. Um, I had worked for Disney. Just so happens I worked for Disney. I did a Disney movie with Mickey Rooney, actually, like a holiday uh, called Little Spies. And uh, you could probably look for that out there. So I had already worked for Disney and I had great experiences with Disney as well. Uh, I worked on the Disney lot. It was like 86, I believe, a couple of years after the I worked for Lucas. But no, I have had no contact with anybody at Disney. I don't know what their plans are concerning any of that. I think to me, the Ewok movies are, are canon. I mean, it takes place right after. Well, in the, uh, I think of, I think originally the producer on the set told us that the Ewok movies take place 150 years after Jedi because we asked. You know, we're curious, and he hmm. and he even mentioned. He goes. When Sindel's, uh, you know, doing that, she has that scene with the Star Cruiser crash scene where they're doing the, the plane with the pogo horse and the little toys. Right. Uh, you have to look really close, but one of the toys on the table was a stormtrooper. But you have to, I don't know if you could actually see it or if you got it, it's real hard to tell. But he pointed it out. You see, one of the see that's one of the, and that, and he said that's why they understand you because the Ewoks understand basic, you know, which is the language or English. And because you know, Ward Davis and I were curious, so we asked. Later, you know, I hear there was a book that was written, and it put Sindel and that whole thing. It showed Sindel as an adult on Coruscant, and she was a news reporter or something like that in the book. So now everybody says that it takes place somewhere. I I think it was three, three, I don't know how to pronounce it. Three ABY or yeah. so. Yeah. I have to be right. Yeah. That'd be right before, um, right before, right after empire basically. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's not what their intention was. Yeah. But I understand, you know, they've been all over the map concerning that stuff anyway. So if this, if what Disney's doing is if what they're doing I think it could be a good thing if what they're doing is is trying to have some semblance of an order. That could be a good thing. Mm. Um, I don't yeah. think that you should say anything that Star Wars that was made from Lucasfilm. I don't know how anybody could say something that's actually made from Lucasfilm is not canon. I mean, it was made by Lucasfilm. It wasn't right. some book. It wasn't something somebody, somebody else created. It was created by the man George Lucas. It's his story. Uh, to me, uh, and there's always been a big debate about that. You know, no, the Ewok movies are part of the expanded universe, and now they're talking. To, I th- what do they call it now? Is it called Legends material Legends. or something yeah. like that? Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter to me where it's at, whether it's canon or Legends or whatever. It's part of Star Wars. Yeah. And uh, I think George Lucas, and the last time he released those movies on DVD, they're out of print right now. But the last time he released them, he called them Star Wars Ewok Adventures. Right there on the cover. And then below it, it says Caravan of Courage and Battle, uh, Battle, for, and Battle for Endor. But he said it was part of Star Wars. So, yeah. Well, in that book you're talking about that Sindel was in, I actually um, 
just doing, like I said, research a little bit for this. That was uh-huh. actually the book from the Black Fleet trilogy from back okay. in the night. I haven't read the book. Is it any good? I don't remember. I read it like 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's sitting on my shelf over here. Yeah. So, there was a lot of books coming out back then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Really? And it's hard to keep track of that stuff, I guess. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons that Disney had to um, move all that stuff to Legends. There was so much out there that you couldn't do anything without stepping on something. Yeah. See, to me, that's where, okay, books that were expanded universe, whether they should be canon or not, I don't know. But anything that was laid to, to film, right, including right. The, the holiday special, should all be considered right. canon. <laughs> yes, it should be, you know. It, it, Does that, that include cartoons as well? Include which? I'm sorry? The cartoon, the Ewok enjoyed cartoons? I think anything that Lucasfilm produces, to me, is canon. Now, I, I could see an argument come up concerning a book or a novel right. because Lucas film is not writing it it's not coming from them it's not created by them somebody else's own interpretation but to me anything that is produced by the company lucasfilm to me is canon yeah Mm. and that's my opinion so thankfully holiday special would not because i don't that was done by cbs not lucasfilm it would not actually if it's not produced by them i don't consider it canon i just would see the jefferson starship be officially in the star wars universe (laughs) (laughs) well that was nice (laughs) and at the time speaking of jefferson star at that time, uh, she used to come to the set all the time, and I kind of had a crush on her. But George was dating Linda Ronstadt at that time. Oh, oh wow! Huh. And I just, I just remember when she would come there, and I, I just couldn't believe it. She remembered who I was. I was like <laughs> freaking out. <laughs> now, what's been the fan response um, that you've gotten as you've gotten older uh, to the movies, or how they um, react to to you or or your character? Well, I mean, the Internet is a crazy thing, and there's a, you know, I don't care about the response from the trolls. You know, they just want to have here. something bad. Yeah, so they, they don't like anything, and they just want to pick a fight. So in the schoolyard. We, yeah. we ignore them themselves, our, ourselves. Yeah. So. so, yeah. Hey, I mean, you got it's you got a lot of fandom that likes it, and then you got a section of fandom that don't like it. And that's okay. You don't have to like it. You got to look at how these movies were made. They were made very quickly. They were made for television. They really, you know, George has always said Star Wars is for kids. But the truth being said, these two movies are the real movies that are for kids. Yeah, they really are movies for kids. And if you look at it from that point of view, he, he made these two movies because... Uh, you know, his daughter loved the Ewoks, Amanda Lucas, and uh, that's why he did it. And she would always she was so in love with the Ewoks that she would always uh, get, you know, her dad to tell her more stories or wanted to read the books that were coming out at the time. Uh, the little read-along books, and she was so enthralled with the Ewoks that George wanted to do a movie about it, you know, for his daughter. And that's great. And at that time, she had a nanny. Nowadays, we call him a manny. And Lucasfilm will never, ever, ever admit to this, but the guy who wrote the Ewok adventure, their first story, was her nanny at the time, Bob Corot. And they always, they always don't, they just cut it out of it. They don't deny it, but they don't say, they won't let anything get past the censors when it's concerning that stuff. So... Wow. And that's how wow. that came about. And Bob and would created this f- story for her, and you know, and would read it, you know, read it out loud at story time when they would do story time, and she loved it. And then it 
got developed into this thing and it started off as an hour long thing. And then, you know, ABC at that time, it was CBS, like the holiday special. And then it ended up going to the ABC. You know, it ended up it had a little bidding war and then ABC ended up with it. And both ABC and CBS said, you know, we want it's got to be longer. It can't be an hour special. So. They made it. They took a story that probably was an hour story and kind of ballooned it in a two-hour story. So it would have been nice if George would have got Lawrence Kasdan involved in in it, you know, <laughs> so or someone in it that had more screenwriting experience. The second Ewok movie had a, a Jim and Ken Wheat, and they're very prolific screenplay writers. So it was a much. It was on paper. It was a really well-written screenplay. The second movie, I really like it a lot, actually. Um, but it was a little dark. So, and we get killed in it because again, that was another story, you know, George and Amanda were, had just been watching, uh, the movie Heidi, uh, the old, old movie and where she's an orphan. And that's how that idea came up. Hmm. So just like all of us in everyday life, you know, except for he's George Lucas, you know, people get ideas from everyday life, you know, and what's going on around them, you know, sources of inspiration. And um, it might not have been the second movie might have been very different had Amanda been a teenager like me. It would have been different, you know, but she Sindel and Aubrey was Amanda's hero. They were the same age. So and that's great. And Aubrey did a great job in the second movie. I'm very proud of her. She did a really good job. The second movie was um, kind of most of it was uh, they had a lot of issues on the set in the movie with Wilford Brimley and um, he really had an issue with the directors and um, I think he called them the idiot brothers uh, but he had a lot <laughs> he had a lot of issues on the set so a lot of that movie was directed by Joe Joe Johnston like all the scenes with Wilford Brimley was directed by him so okay hmm. interesting yeah so if, if Johnston would have got that Boba Fett movie, it would not have been the first thing he's directed for Star Wars. No. No. He was, uh, in fact, if you look on the, he did, he did get credit as second unit director on the, the Ewok, Ewoks of Battlefinder, if you look at the credits. But he 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 actually directed most of the movie. You know, he directed every scene with Wilford Brimley in it, so. Hmm. What were some of your uh, favorite moments or favorite scenes from uh, from each film? Uh, as an uh, coming from an actor's perspective, my favorite scene in the movie is uh, after we run away and Sindel's tired and she's scared. And I start the fire and and I'm and I start to comfort her and tell her everything's going to be OK. Our mom and dad's going to be OK. That's my favorite scene f- coming for me as an actor. Um, the second favorite scene probably is, um, I would say, um Probably the where the Ewok dies because I, I I spent a lot you know in Chukatrock the the Ewok dies we spent a lot of time rehearsing that Kevin Thompson and I and that uh, scene I like that scene a lot too I'm not trying to be a downer but you know coming from an actor's perspective those are the my favorite scenes um, of course I like scenes of action too you know when uh, there wasn't too much in the first one but in the second movie I got to kick some major ass and you know I ended up getting exploded but that was a lot of fun. Filming those scenes. Now, at the time when you were making the films, was there any um, any backlash from, from people at the schools or that you hung out with for for doing Ewok movies, or or was it the total opposite? No, these movies were the well. The f- first one was very well received. 
uh, it was a very popular movie. Um, it wasn't where it is now where you got the internet and you got trolls and you got some people that just are loud and express their opinion. It was a, the movie did very well. I mean, it was seen by over 65 million people, which is hard to get an audience like that with cable and everything these days. It was simulcast on stereo. So everybody got to hear it in surround sound stereo in, in the major markets. Um, and it just, uh, it was, it was an interesting experience. Like I was in junior high at that time and I went to a public school and I had, you know, you know, three or four friends, we would play, you know, during lunch, we'd play basketball, you know, to, you know, have fun. And the day before the, the Friday before the movie came out, it came out on Sunday night, but it wasn't Friday, it was Wednesday because we went for the, it was during Thanksgiving. So the Wednesday before, you know, we we're, there was nobody watching our basketball game, but that next Monday after Thanksgiving and the movie aired suddenly, I mean, there must've been 500 people circling that court <laughs> asking me questions and how was this? And, oh, in that movie, you seem so much taller. You're short. You know, it's like, well, I'm, I'm acting <laughs> next to Ewok. So, <laughs> and they ask every ridiculous question you could you could think of and, and, but everybody was nice. I didn't have anybody, nobody was mean to me. Nobody bullied me. Um, for about a year or two, you know, I'd get people stopping me in stores. You know, I'd have a parent, I'd be shopping in a grocery store and I'd have a parent stop me and said, you know, I really like what you did in that movie. We videotaped it. And my kid has been sick at home with the flu and they keep watching the movie over and over and over and it's, it's making them feel better. So it was a, it was, and then I won a, I won some awards for as young acting awards for that movie. So that was nice to get recognition too from fellow industry and acting stuff. So I didn't have any issues with, uh, with any of that. And it was a great experience and people were very nice and very kind to me. And, um, like I said, I would get one of the things that I found very interesting was at that time and somewhere I read somewhere that that might have been that movie might have been it was the very, well, first of all, it was the at that time, it was the most recorded movie in the history of television because everybody in the, everybody wanted the, a copy of it. Oh, and everybody, and it was at the time when VHS finally just came out yeah. and everybody could make a copy of it. Yeah. Well, so. Uh, I'm I'm pretty much the same age you are, born same uh-huh. year. Uh, but in August, I know for me and for my brother, we did have a VHS player at that time. We had just gotten cable when we heard there was Star Wars on TV. Oh yeah, it wasn't recycle a new tape. It's Dad, we need a new tape so we could record this. Right, and it and it <laughs> sat with us for a while. So that surprised me. And at that time, you know, nobody knew. You know, Star Wars itself wasn't out. At that time, uh, the first three movies, but at that time, Lucas never wanted to release his movies on video. He thought they were in video was inferior. He thought the quality was very was terrible. He did. He said, I'm never going to release. I remember statements he made in the trades like the Hollywood Reporter and like the variety and like trades. He was making statements like his movies are only should be played in the movie theater. I'm never going to release them on TV. I'm never going to release them on video. So he, mm. now all that stuff changed, you know, you know, he eventually he did release them. So yeah, it's a good thing. Yeah. I know a lot of people want the original ones. They don't want the, the special editions. So that yeah, cool. yeah. I, I'm glad I have a copy of those. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And when, when, when he, shot first. yeah, <laughs> 
Han only shot. Yeah. Well, that's um, I got my copies when they re-released the the DVDs with the as the two disc. Right. And then I saw I, I've seen someone recently. Oh, I've got these. How much are these Toys R Us or not Toys R Us Best Buy exclusives? And the, the person I guess they came with a comic book, but the person selling the the original theatricals and right. it, and each one says bonus disc on it, and the other side's uh-huh. blank. It's like oh, so you just got rid of the the normals and you're trying to sell this off for more than what it is right so um i remember when we were kids uh my dad recorded uh, the ewok movies for us and my sister and i used to watch them all the time oh yeah yeah we used to love them. that's what's nice about the fact that they actually did eventually release them on um dvd yeah. they did eventually they, they released them in i think it was 2004 or 5 yeah sounds about right right around yeah. then and uh, they made a big mistake when they released them. They ended up putting the the second movie first, like they yeah. they're out of order. Yeah. So they actually had a mistake on them, and they didn't do that in every region. So some regions it was released correctly, but not yeah, here I, in America. I got the copy where Battle of Endor is on side A. Yeah, yeah. So the and that that didn't happen in every country. In some of the countries, uh, there the the discs were they were more advanced, so they both were on the same side. So. <laughs> Yeah, okay. a lot of them. Well, they did. I saw that the um, movie did have a theatrical release in a couple of countries. Did they do any kind of premieres or anything for that? Or was they it just did. and and they did and and it wasn't uh, it wasn't. Uh, I didn't go to them, but I I I remember that uh, they did have in England. They did have a, a a royal actual premiere of that movie. I didn't go to it. I think Warwick went to it. Um, and they 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 released and it wasn't just a couple countries. It, this movie was only on television in America. It was on it was in a movie theater everywhere, even in Mexico. It was in a movie theater. So wow. it was only America and I think Canada was on TV, but everywhere, every country, and it was a big movie. I mean, it was like in like in France, it was the number three movie of the year for the whole year and. So it, it made a lot. It did well in a lot of countries and Japan and China did very. I know Japan, it did very well. So I have a Japanese poster. It's a it's really a great poster. It's very different than the the American versions and, and the English version. That's awesome. Yeah. And they did lobby cards, too, like in the movie theaters. You know, they had the old lobby cards. Right. So I have lobby oh. cards in different languages. Like I have the one from Italy. I have one from Spain. I have one from England. And in in uh, Japan, they actually did more than just a lobby card. They actually did a book, an entire book that's like fifty pages or something like that. Wow! <laughs> did you get? Did you happen to keep a souvenir from the set from each film? I have a souvenir from the first one. Um, it's a it's a stick that I was chopping wood on uh, in the scene, like uh, just before Sindel gets you know the, the horse takes off or whatever. I'm chopping on a stick with my axe okay i have yeah. that and um other than that i just have other things you know notes like i have a note i have a handwritten note that george sent me thanking me for my work on on the reshoot we were talking about how he directed he was thanking me for the great work i did on a reshoot that he directed i have it's the handwritten note actually that one i do have uh, oh, so, oh. 
That's very cool. And other souvenirs that, you know, just different cards. Uh, for a couple of years, George sent me toys. So I have those original toys still. So <laughs> as well. Nice. I wonder if there were something. They might be because they're vintage from like 80. It was Christmas 84 he sent me and 85 he sent me Christmas toys. Oh, wow. I'm sure there were something. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, trying to think. Well, anyway, you know, we're talking a lot about these movies and about how they're on DVD. Well, they're kind of out of print, and it right. kind of sucks because if you try to go out and get a copy, you got to spend a hundred dollars for it, practically. Yeah. Mm. A, let's see what the going rate is on eBay at the moment. Yeah. Have you heard? Is there any talk about possibly upgrading these to Blu-ray or something, or even uh, get digital? Well, I mean, I haven't been asked to do anything regarding that, uh, whether there's going to be on Blu-ray or not. But I think it would be a good idea to put it on Blu-ray. And if they do it this time, you know, give us a call. I'll come and do some commentary, like I'm doing with you guys. Or Take the making of footage and release right. it or put some deleted scenes on the thing. Do something for the fans, you know, because yeah. there is yeah. probably six or seven scenes that were deleted out of the movie. The the Ewok movie, there's a lot of mm. there's a bunch of scenes that were cut. The original ending of the movie is different. Uh, the original ending of the movie uh, takes uh, when I'm saying goodbye to that that Weastie, that Queen Isarina, you know, the Firefly thing. Right. When I'm saying goodbye to her, that was at the end of the movie, and I say goodbye to her, and then I turn around and it starts snowing, and then Sindel and Wicket come out, and we are dancing in the snow, and the movie ends, and that's not how it ended. So. <laughs> If you look really close, you could kind of almost see, start to see a few little snowflakes right, right before I go. It cuts back to us going into the hut. You could almost see it. So, you can actually get copies of the DVD for under twenty bucks on eBay. Okay, we'll go get it then. Oh yeah, yeah. if it's not in your collection, it would be. It needs if it's to not be. in your collection, everybody go get it. I mean, it's DVD, but it would be nice, you know, if if everybody wants to. Shout out to Disney. Um, I know that I think these films were released by 20th Century Fox, so they might have had some say in it, but now Disney owns Fox, so. Yep. Yeah, right. This may be also, I, I'm I'm assuming this is good. This and Ewoks and Droids and some of this other stuff is going to end up on the uh, Disney Plus, if nothing else. Okay. Well, that, oh, that would be good. Yeah. They have so much content they need to fill that service. So right. it's Star Wars related. And so there's definitely they can put it out there. It'd be nice if they did it, you know. Um, so if any of your fans out there want to, you know, scream and yell at, you know, Lucasfilm or Disney, say, you know, I think they would be beautiful on uh, on Blu-ray. They were really shot well. They were shot on film, so. Mm-hmm. Well, like I said, I just saw it today on the DVD copy on, a, but on a um, HGTV, it doesn't look bad. I mean, it it looks dated, but sure. it still looks good. Right. Yeah, I would oh. love to see those. those- videos that you guys shot the behind the scenes stuff oh yeah yeah no i'm i'm i digitized those uh, uh probably about 10 years ago um and i know warwick has even more footage i have some of his footage too but most i know he had a camera himself so he has a lot more even that he could give them yeah that would be a great thing to put on the blu-ray it would be. And let us come and talk about the experience, you know, when we made this or made that scene or 
it'd be good too to talk about the experience i'm down so what what's been the convention life like uh going to conventions today i've done, I've done a few here or there um i don't you know with my other work and doing music and stuff like that i you know i don't have time to you know be a on the convention circuit, like some of those other actors that kind of, that's all they do. Um, but I've had great experiences, uh, going to conventions. I, I love coming out and listening to stories and, you know, I have someone share with me that, you know, they played, I'll have like a, a, a man come up to me and say, Oh, when we were little, uh, I used to pretend like I was Mace, Mace Tawani and my sister would play Sindel and we would pretend like we're doing, we're doing scenes from the Ewok movie. Or I had another friend who's a Facebook friend became a really good friend of mine over the years. Um, his name is uh, actually, his name is Derek too, a uh, Derek. And, um, he would tell me, uh, he, he would tell me proud moments. He would say his, he's got, uh, young kids and, they will play Star Wars like when they go on a vacation with their friends. And he was telling me a story about how um, one time his kid said he wanted to play Mace Tawani. He goes, it was a proud moment. He didn't even want to be Luke Skywalker. He wanted to be Mace Tawani. And I, I said, that's pretty cool. And and uh, But I would have wanted to be Luke, I said to him. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it was actually, it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, no. Finish it. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, you mentioned that you wanted to be Luke. Uh, did you ever hear from the prop de- or from the costume department? Because your costume for that first movie was very similar to like a rebel pilot's uniform. Yeah, it, it was on purpose, or I don't know if they did it on purpose, but that's what it was. It was actually an orange flight suit. So they 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 knew what they were doing, and yeah. uh, I don't. And they made it really dirty and grungy looking. But yeah. it was a that it was an orange flight suit. You're right. Yeah, and then the vest they put over it looked like what you they would be wearing over the flight suit. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was all done for a reason. And and I I I just a coincidence. My last name is Walker, and you got Luke Skywalker. And then I look like a little bit like a younger version of Luke. And mm-hmm. um, even Warwick Davis's mother Sue was saying the first day on the set when she saw me, she saw me from a distance, and I had that orange flight suit on, and I was turned around so she didn't see my face and she said i wonder what mark's doing here in her english accent <laughs> and i turned around and she goes oh that's not mark you know <laughs> so a lot of people did i mean they thought i was uh, you know mark the first i once we once we got past the first couple of days or a week you know they knew who i was but you know a lot i fooled a lot of the crew and even work davis's mother so has anyone made for you yet a Mace Tawani custom action figure? It's been done a few times. It's been done a few times. Um, there's been some. Re- there's been one that looked really terrible, and there's been I think one <laughs> or two that were really good, and it actually did look like me. But there's been two or three people that have done custom figures, and I understand when they were putting these movies out that Kerner actually came to them and wanted to do action figures. They actually had them had a, a, a Mace Tawani and a single action figure and George didn't want to put it out so oh, wow. at the time so they didn't end up putting it out so who knows I mean they, I know they do those competitions and stuff and ask people what they want maybe one day if enough people ask for you know mace maybe we'll get one it, it would be a great action figure not just because mm-hmm. i want it 
and play with it, but it would be good for kids, you know? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Have you got any else? I'm sorry? Have you gotten any other kind of uh, fan art or anything? I've had uh, I've had fans send me stuff, that the little drawings that they've done, uh, over even overseas, like when I went to a, a, I went to a German convention, and at that convention I was seated next to, in between Gary Kurtz on one side and Ray Park was on my right. So. Oh, that's that was, awesome. That was a nice convention. And Ray Park is just a great person, man. I love that dude. Um, mm-hmm. And Gary's nice, too, but he passed away. So, yeah. Um, yeah. unfortunately, yeah. he was a he he would tell me just interesting stories like he was uh, at the time. Um, I guess him and George had a falling out and he was telling me that. Um, he just wishes George would have reached out to him because at the time when they were trying to do a re- restoration of Empire Strikes Back, he had a clean copy of it because he made a oh, copy. Wow. And he said, uh, George, all George had to do was ask me for it and I would have given it to him. And they ended up spending like millions of dollars on restoring it when he had a perfect copy. So, I mean, if it teaches us anything out there, it's like, come on, guys. You know, I mean, let's, let's all just be kind to each other and we should be friendly to each other. And it's... Yeah. You know, life is short in the grand scheme of things, you know, so. Well, you know you've made it in the Star Wars universe when you have your own Tops trading card. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Tops would invite me to Celebration, though, but <laughs> since they do that. But, yeah, I've uh, that's been quite a quite an honor. And I've had people send me that and they've asked me to and they've showed at conventions. I've signed some of those. Those are neat. So it's been I've been on a few of them. There is one that's actually a Mace Tawani one. And it I think I read the back of it. It tells it says, I guess, is it a role playing game that they do? Because it looked like a game on the back of it. It had like a score or something like that on one of them. I, was um, I don't remember if, if it you... said I said I had very little uh, force powers, but I was this or that. It was naming, I guess, seemed like it was some sort of a game. But I wonder if it was um, no, no, if it was on the back of the card, then that would have probably been a trading card. Um, yeah, it was the Galactic Files card. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I got those. And I've signed those and those are neat. And then they've it's been on quite a few now, maybe three or four different ones now. So, you know, they use the movie poster or talk about the movies. And then one of them, I was actually was on a card that said my name, Mace Tawani. So but that was cool. Where can people find you online? If they want to hear more of your music or, or, or even chat with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm on all social media, but the quickest way to find me is just to go to my official website, which I think you mentioned. Uh, you might have mentioned it earlier, but it's uh, ericwalkermusic.com. And even there, you could find my social media. I mean, you could find links to Facebook or YouTube or whatever on the page. If you want to go and look at other stuff that we talked about, like watch my music videos, I think my YouTube link is there as well. So that's the quickest way to find me. Other than that, you know, it's uh, facebook.com slash official Eric Walker. That's the fan page. Um, our YouTube is Eric Walker and music again. Oh. Uh, talking about the music, where can people pick the albums other than I mean, on your website, but where else can they pick up your CDs and your albums? Well, I mean, everything, all of my music is on every 
outlet you could stream music or every outlet you could download it. It's on uh, Apple Music. It's on iTunes. It's on Amazon. It's on Google Play. It's on YouTube. So I'm everywhere where you could get it. If you're old-fashioned and you like a physical copy, which I like because I think that CDs do sound better than MP3s, <laughs> unless you got a, you know, a, a, a very high-end one. Uh, lossless one but um if you want a physical cd i do sell them on my website as well all the albums so you could then you could read the liner notes and you could read how i created the song or you know get more information as well on that and i'm recently updating my website so there's going to be more pictures available right now i think it only shows one picture of me and the ewoks that's available if, they, if anybody wants to go and purchase an autograph uh, for me to sign uh, but i'm going to go ahead and update that with about the next few weeks with about 10 or 12 other photographs as, as well so and i recently did a private signing which has ended so but if you want to get an autograph, you go to the website now or go in the next few weeks if you want to wait and see more pictures. Excellent. Well, thank you for coming yeah. on and, uh, and joining us tonight. For, it was great, guys. Uh, for a great flashback. Uh, we will say definitely you are the original mace in Star Wars. Did you come, I'm the OM. You came before <laughs> Samuel Jackson with the, word, with the name mace. Yeah, I mean, he may not admit that, but I am the OM. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> sorry sam but you know i mean i love i love the wookie so uh peter mayhew i've been at several conventions with him before i've sat next to him he's such a kind person i love that guy i've even done a uh, fundraisers uh, i think i signed some trading cards somebody permitted and i donated all the money to the peter peter mayhew foundation him and angie are great people yes uh, the new chewbacca is stepping in his steps and he's uh, doing peter proud as well so yeah Jonas is, is doing awesome as well um i i'm just absolutely loving star wars and and just so glad to to get some backstory on the the ewok shows or the the ewok race and uh awesome glad to to see that um, i just haven't gotten to it yet but i'm looking forward to having my daughter sit down and and watch them as well and since we're off this coming Monday, that might be something we're going to watch this week. That would be great. That's great. That's a great movie for kids. So, um, again, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, Definitely check out Eric's site at ericwalkermusic.com. Uh, buy buy the music, whether it's the digital or, or physical copy. Uh, let's get out there. It's some, it's some great stuff. Yeah, and if you guys want to dance, you know, Dare to Dream and Dare to Dream in a Galaxy Far, Far Away. I mean, that's available on Apple Music, iTunes, everywhere. And uh, we're going to have a music video here in the next few weeks where we're going to have a dance. A choreographer is going to create the dance, and every kid's going to want to be doing the dance, you know, so... It's going to be a lot of fun. And any of you listeners who are going to be at Celebration, play it in the hallways. Play it on the Please. exhibit floor. Let's get it out there. Mm-hmm. So, And who knows? Maybe I'll be there. I can't say I'm going to be there, but if enough people ask for me, maybe they'll bring me there. So, well, Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Um, until next time. Give the evacuation code signal. All right. Cut the chatter. Jet. I can hold it. Pull up. I have placed information vital to the survival of the rebellion into the memory systems of this R2 unit. I've lost R2!